Welcome to season two of the Own Your Creativity podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Johnston. I know many of you have written articles or blogs and stories about your life, but maybe haven't had the courage to press, publish, or send. Maybe you wonder if anyone is really interested in your writing, or if you even have enough life experience or expertise to write anything at all. Some of you have actually had the courage to send your writing out into the world, only to have it come back to you, boomerang style, and you don't know why. It's for those exact doubts and reasons that I put together a one-day virtual retreat that will help you improve your writing and go from doubt to doing it. It's called Liberate the Polish and Publish Story Retreat. It happens on July 25th, and there are limited spaces. You can find out more about it at bit.ly forward slash polish publish. There's really never been a better time than now to up-level your skills and be the writer you were always meant to be. And now, here is today's episode. Hello, everybody. Elizabeth Johnston here with Sharice Alexander. And um, I'm really excited to be talking to Sharice. She's a business networking coach who helps entrepreneurs create profitable partnerships through authentic connection. Sharice went from being a PhD candidate at an Ivy League school to being homeless in New York City at the height of the 2008 recession. That experience taught her that while achievements and degrees are something to be proud of, human connection is the most valuable asset a person could have. Now she teaches entrepreneurs the power of making a micro impact one person at a time in order to grow their network and their business. Welcome to the show, Cherise. Thanks so much for having me, Elizabeth. I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. Me too. And, you know, there's two things that I wanted to say first, though, is that when I sent, you know, the, the information about what you need to send me to set up for the interview, I asked for a headshot and a short bio. And you are the first person in all of the people that I've ever interviewed that actually sent me a short bio. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you need to be more specific with how short is short. I think yeah, that's why. Yeah. But no, you, you understood what I meant. And so now I can, you know, one paragraph, Max. It's Tell great. them 150 words. Okay. And if it's one word over, you're not getting on the show. <laughs> right. And so I love the, the phrase in your, in your bio where you say micro impact, because I was at a WordPress, um, you know, WordCamp um, conference. Have you ever been to WordCamp? I've never you know? heard of WordCamp. Yeah, so it's WordPress, the WordPress community. They they put um, them on all over the world. So there's, you know, WordCamp Chicago and WordCamp Los Angeles, I'm sure. You know, they're just everywhere all over the world. And um, anyway, I was there and I don't even remember what sponsorship table it was that I was at, but they had these little pens that had like, like liquid in them and then like boats were floating or something, you know, up and down and yeah. And, and uh, so he, and he was explaining to me the uh what a micro uh micro action is you know that that you want to you know your your clients or you know people come to your website you want them to take micro actions and i'd never heard what that was but then i saw the pen i said oh this is a micro action isn't it he said yes it is <laughs> so you have it you i know. love that <laughs> yeah you i know. love that i used to work at a hospital and the um the like baby department gave us pens but the pens had an egg on one side and little sperm inside so oh I was God. like, what? like I came into and they just dropped them on our desks as like little gifts for the yeah. department. And so I walk in and I'm like, what is this on my desk? And I pick it up and then you kind of tilt it and you see the sperm like going to the egg inside the pen. And you're like, this does, you know, paint a picture. It's super memorable. Yeah. 
and you're yeah. seeing some some micro action at work right there yeah yeah it's very cool so before we jump into like what you do as a business networking coach i'd really like to hear more about your story you know how you found yourself homeless in 2008 and how did you come out on the other side of that yeah so i um great questions i since i was 10 years old wanted to save the world naturally what 10 year old girl doesn't and the way i wanted to do that was to study viruses i had gone on a field trip in fourth or fifth grade um, to a local kind of teaching hospital. And there's this woman who was in a white lab coat still to this day. I don't know if she was a doctor or a scientist or what, or both, but she put this big picture of a virus up on a giant screen. And she was showing us, this is this part of the virus. This is that part. This is how it works. This is what it does. And I remember thinking as a little girl, wow, she is so smart. I want to be just like her when I grow up. I want to do whatever this is that she does. And at the time, this was in the early 90s. So at that time, the AIDS epidemic was really sweeping through America. So every night on the news, I was seeing, you know, people just being really terrified about this scary virus because people didn't know how it was transmitted, how it was spread, what was going on, how it was affecting people it was really horrific. And I remember turning to my dad one night and just saying, Dad, when I grow up, I'm going to find the cure for AIDS. And then I was like, you know what? By the time I'm grown, they already have a cure. I don't even need to worry about that. that's going to be they're going to cure that in like five years max anyways. So when I grow up, I'm just going to study something and I'm going to save the world, you know? And so, um, fast forward to graduate school. Now I'm in graduate school studying viruses, you know, trying to save the world. And, um, as I'm in there, I'm realizing like, wow, the, the knowledge that I'm gaining, which is amazing. It's kind of like a brick in a castle. It's one piece of a larger hole. And while you need every brick in order for the building to be complete, you never know if your brick is going to be the first brick, the last brick or something in between. And so I was just kind of like, you know, I don't want this brick of my life's work to be something that doesn't actually have an impact on the world for 150 years after I'm dead, because honestly, I won't really care then. So I thought, you know, I need to find another way to make an impact on the world, something that I can see more immediately because it's going to be more motivating for me. And so I left grad school um, in 2008, which was the worst possible time to find myself, as my mother calls it, because I couldn't get a job anywhere. I mean, Starbucks, McDonald's, nothing. Like there were no jobs. Jobs, what's that? There were no jobs. So I found myself um, getting evicted, sleeping in a truck in the middle of a blizzard uh, in New York City, in Brooklyn, and just saying, what happened? <laughs> you know, what what has my life come to? And so um, I, I was you know, going to go, um, sorry, there's a, there's a plane. I live by an airport. Yeah. Um, so, so I was going to go to this, this homeless shelter. Um, and I was sitting on a street corner, like sitting on my luggage, like all my possessions in the world fitting in one little box that I could sit on. And I called my mom and I was like, boohoo crying, like ugly crying, like snot coming out and everything, like not a cute cry. And I'm not a crier. And I certainly do not cry in public, but I was boohoo snot crying on a street corner in New York city because I was just like, what has come from my life? And I was talking to my mom and I was just like, I, you know, I just feel like such a loser. I've just failed. I failed at life. How did I find myself in this position? At no point did I blame the recession or the world or the economy or circumstances or whatever. I was just like, I made some choices that led me here and I don't know what happened, but I took a wrong turn. And, and my mom said something really, really wise. And she's not the advicey type of mom. She's like the live and let live mom. But this was a, a unique situation where she said, you know what? Um, I think you should stay. And here's why I had just gotten hired to be a professor. And that job was going to start like two days after this conversation. 
And so she was like, if you don't take that opportunity, I think you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. And what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. If you can make it through this, you can make it through anything. And I was sitting there and I just kind of sniffled, you know, and I was like, and, and you know, my mom's hearing the silence on the other end and she just goes, never mind, never mind. Just come home. Just come home. Forget what I just said. Like, clearly that was bad mom advice. I'm sorry. Like, just come home. And I was like, no, like I was thinking about what you were saying. That's why I was quiet. And I was like, you're right. You know? And so I was like, okay, I'll stay. And, and I did, i stayed and actually it took 18 months before I was back on my feet. I was in a couple of shelters over that time, but I was homeless for 18 months wow. before I was back on my feet. And that was such a pivotal time for me to grow as a person, as a human, as a member of society. It changed the way that I see people and it changed the way that I thought. Growing up, I was the first person in my family to go to college. So I was not like a snob in most respects. Like we were not a well-off family and all of that. But academically, I was totally a snob. I was going to an Ivy League school. I was in New York City. You know, I was just like, I'm smarter than everybody. And here I find myself sitting in a homeless shelter next to somebody who didn't finish high school. And I was just like, well, what's your big fancy degrees doing for you now, huh? Nothing, wow. you know, it was just the great equalizer. It was like, you know what? People are people are people are people. And while achievement is amazing and I'm super proud of what I've done, it doesn't make me more valuable than somebody else. And it doesn't make someone else less valuable because they don't have my education or background or whatever. And yeah. so um, that was really like a great equalizer for me. And I felt like at that time I had everything stripped away from me, my credentials and my title and everything else. And I was just like, a, I was, not only was I a regular person, I was a homeless person. So I was like, like the lowest on the status, you know, totem pole. Yeah or I guess the highest, how I told, well, we don't have to talk about how total polls really work, but I was like the lowest. And, um, and I just realized like on my deathbed, I'm not going to look around and say, man, I wish I had one more degree on the wall. That's just not going to happen. What I would love to see on my deathbed, if I am lucky enough to be on a deathbed and be conscious and know what's going on is I would love to see a whole bunch of people crowded around my room, you know, crowded around my bed crying because they're sad because they're going to miss me because I actually had an impact on their lives in this world. And so that was when I realized, okay, it's, it's about connection. It's not about achievement. And I went to that teaching job. I was a professor for many years. I ended up working at a high school after that. I work at a, a special needs middle school now. And just like the impact that we make as educators is profound and visible and tangible. I can see it. I can feel it. And the same thing I do working with my little ones on helping them communicate effectively and build those social skills and be a part of their bigger community is the same thing that I do with entrepreneurs in the business world. Cool. So you mainly work with um, entrepreneurs, uh, as you're saying, but um, I have an audience of writers who can also be entrepreneurs and a lot of them would like to uh, be more entrepreneurial in, in their pursuit of um, creating a platform and getting an audience and all that sort of thing. And so, you know, what advice could you give them, uh, the writers who want to build a platform for their book? And there are two scenarios that I'm going to present to you. One is that they already have a book out, but they've got like a thousand copies in their basement and they just don't know what to do with all those, those books. And, and then the other scenario is that they haven't got a book yet and, and they're maybe thinking about writing it or halfway through. And so what do both of them need to know about building a platform? So maybe you want to, you know, take, take the aspiring one or the, the author's one first, whichever one. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I will I will make another statement before that as well is that if you have a book or are considering writing a book, you kind of are an entrepreneur, right? Because you yeah. plan on selling that book. I'm thinking you're planning on selling whatever you're writing, getting your work out there. And that's just a really cool way to validate it is that you're getting money for it. So it is like your business. And so in that sense, you are an entrepreneur. You do need to share your message and kind of own that. So I'll start with that. Um, whether you are an aspiring writer or you already have books, my number one tip for getting your message out is going to be the same. And that is build partnerships, build partnerships. It is so crucial. The sooner you do it, the better, you know, there's that saying, Elizabeth, that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. And the second best time is today is the same thing with relationships. The best time to have a profitable partnership with someone is like yesterday. So get started on it right now. If you haven't even written your book, your script, your screenplay, whatever, um, this is a great time for you to start building relationships. So that way when it's ready, it's not going to come out of the blue. It's not going to come out of left field. People will have known that you've been working on this for a while, but even if you have books that are already done, you need to start building those relationships so that you can move those books out of your basement and into the hands of the perfect reader who needs to hear your message or needs to hear your story. So building relationships is just so critical. That's what's going to help you build everything. It's, it comes before you even have a platform. It's how you create a platform. It comes before you get traffic to your website or whatever. It's all about relationships. So, I mean, if you want, we can like, just talk about some of my top tips for doing that. Yeah, that would be great. Okay, perfect. So, um, a lot of times like in the entrepreneurial space, one of the most powerful ways to find those partners is to go to live events. And when you are a writer, maybe that's, I don't know if that's a thing in the writing world or if that's just like a weird thing. I don't really know. But one way or another, you've got to find out where your people are. And a lot of times people give the advice that you need to look for your ideal client. So in your case, looking in the case of your listeners, everyone who's listening or watching, people might tell you, you need to find your readers, like find your ideal reader, your ideal audience, figure out where they are and go and market to them, go and tell them my book is so amazing. You should read my book. My book's going to change your life or it's going to be super entertaining or something like that. I would suggest though, that a more strategic way to approach this is instead of looking for your ideal readers, look for your ideal partners who have access to those readers. Mm-hmm. Look for people who have a list of those readers. And that could be an email list, but it could also be a forum, a Facebook group, a podcast, a blog, a YouTube channel, Facebook live show, IGTV show, we can go on and on and on. Look for someone who has an audience of your perfect readers, your perfect people that you would love to get in front of. Because what's easier to reach out to, to do really hard work with all of your blood, sweat, and tears, and to find 10 new people to buy your book or to find 10 partners who could introduce you to 10 new people, a person, right? That's exponential growth. So, um, So my first tip is to like, look for potential partners and there's a method called the dream 100 where you find 100 of those perfect partners and you strategically outreach to them. I'm going to recommend you start with 10 because it's less scary than a hundred and you could just do that process over and over and over. And an easy way to do it is to just look at who's in your inbox. Are there people that you already follow that you already listen to that you're already in their world that you trust and admire and that you would love for them to share your book or your screenplay or whatever to their audience. 
But how, That's do a good place to start. Them, how do we get those big people that are in our email list and they probably got hundreds of thousands of people on their mailing list? How do we get them to share what we're doing? That's such a great question. Um, and I love that. I actually have a whole like 10 tips on exactly how to do that. But the way that you do this when you are in somebody's inbox is uh, first, it's a long-term game, right? To build a relationship. So it's not like you can say, I've been on your email list for 10 years. Can you sell this for me? That's not going to happen. That's like people, people do that. They're like, I feel like I know you. So you should feel like, you know, me, so you should sell my stuff. And that that's not going to work. So the most powerful thing you can do to get on their radar is to support them, to support their projects, to support their products, their services, to support their causes. And let me give you some specific ways of how you can support them. If they have a book, go on Amazon and write them a glowing review. Make sure it's honest, of course. Like if you haven't read it, don't write a review. But if you've read it, like give them an honest review. And bonus tip, here's how you write a review of their books or their services or their products that you've tried. Give them a specific result that you got because of their work. A lot of people make the mistake where they do the review or they'll send an email to that influencer and they'll say something like, great stuff, loved that webinar, or great stuff, the book was awesome. And that's lovely. And people are going to be like, oh, oh, that's nice. You know, gives them a little warm feeling in their heart, but it doesn't make you stand out. It doesn't make you memorable at all. Instead, you want to say something like, I loved your book. Or if it, this is a review on Amazon, I loved this book. Chapter three was so powerful to me because it taught me X, Y, Z. And because of that, I was able to do A, B, C. You're getting a very specific thing. And that could be in the review. And, you know, you can write it in the Amazon review take a screenshot of that and send that email to that influencer who's in your inbox. Respond to one of their emails and say, hey, I've been on your list for X amount of time. I've been reading everything. I love what you do. I love your work. In fact, I just gave you a review on Amazon because I just really appreciate the results I got from your work. And that's it. I'm not asking for anything. There's no strings attached. It's just honestly giving a specific direct compliment and that guarantee you is going to get their, is going to get their attention. Like, even if they don't respond, they're going to read that. They're going to save it. They're going to bookmark it. Then they can use that as a testimonial in their future things, which is like so priceless. Yeah. So that's a simple way to, to support them is to just do a review. You can do the same thing. If they have a podcast, do a review on their podcast, give them five-star rating. And if it's not, if you're not going to give them a five-star rating, then maybe don't rate that person. Maybe that's not a good person to be in your dream. 100 only pick people that you can honestly stand behind hundred percent, give them a five-star, give them a specific compliment, take a screenshot of your review on their podcast, email it to them and let them know. So that's my first tip. I could keep going. Do you want to ask a question before I keep yeah. going? Yeah. Before you go give another tip, I I'm actually just really interested in, in like how you learned um, all of these micro actions and, you know, how to make a micro impact. Cause you know, you, in your personal story, you were saying that you realized you didn't want to have another degree. You wanted to have people around you that cared for you, but, but how did you, how did you come to realize that was what's important? And then how did you figure out how to, um, you know, do this networking with people? So my social skills journey is a little different growing up. I mean, it's not different from anyone else's, but it's different from that other story about being homeless. Um, growing up, I was like super awkward. And in high school, I was super awkward, which a lot of people say, and cause it's true of a lot of people in high school and in college, I was also awkward. And I remember my best friend who was super extroverted and outgoing signed us up for this, um, 
this like a like a fair kind of where people come to the main quad and they get information about different clubs and we were in a club and so she was like I signed us up for this where we had to stand at a booth and like talk to people about our club and I was like what were you thinking I hate stuff like this I don't even like people I don't like talking to people why would you do this and she's like it'll be fun we can meet all kinds of new people and so I was like Hmm. So we went to the thing. And so she's bouncing around, handing out flyers, just so totally in her element, this little social butterfly. And I'm being a wallflower standing behind our booth with my arms crossed, not talking to anybody, waiting for someone to walk up to me. And then I would hand them a flyer. No questions asked. Right. Like I would just not talk to anybody. I was just like, I don't want to be here. And this is awkward. And I feel weird. And so anyways, um, I was sitting next to this guy. I'll never forget his name's Mike. And um, someone would walk up and he'd be like, Hey, how's it going? My name's Mike what, what majors are you at? You know, what, what's your major? What year are you in? Whatever. And I noticed the way that people were interacting with him versus the people who were interacting with me, which wasn't much interaction at all. Right. And I was like, huh, interesting. So the next person walked up and I said, Hey, my name's Sharice. How's it going? What's your major? I just did exactly what Mike did. I said it the way he said it. I shook my hand the way he shook his hand. I did my face the way he did his face. And I got the same results he got like the same, the same conversation. And I was like, wait a minute social skills are a skill, like (laughs) to ride your bike or speak Spanish. I could have been learning this this whole time. I had no idea. I thought social skills were something you were born with or not. And I was not. And so I had no obligation to learn any of that stuff, right? Like it just was beyond my capability. So Mike really showed me the light (laughs) that you can learn to communicate effectively with other humans. So that kind of set me on this 15 year journey to understand human dynamics. How do people communicate together? How do we function as a society? Like, what does that look like? How does that work? And I really, you know, I'm a scientist. So I really like did a deep dive and just analyzed all those little pieces. I read a ton of books and listened to podcasts and just did this whole, you know, 15 year journey into how do we do this? And then when I got into business um, a couple of years ago, my, my first ideas for business, cause I've been trying and failing at things for quite some time in the entrepreneurial space. Um, And my first ideas were like, oh, I'm just going to do, you know, what, whatever. I was doing all kinds of weird things, but what I really wanted to do, what was in my heart was to do networking, was to teach these advanced social skills to entrepreneurs, to help them build relationships. But I just thought that's not a business. You can't sell that. You have to sell like a physical product. So of course I started with a physical product, which was a total disaster. So I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And that's like the hardest business model to do. And I started with it and then on and on and on with, you know, many mistakes and many years later to, to come back to exactly where I started of saying, I've learned so much about this. It's been so impactful in my life. I would love to help other people make the same kind of difference. Cool. So do you have another tip for us? I do. I have so many tips. Okay. One so more. My, one more. just one more, just one more. Yeah. I have, I have three written down, but yeah. I didn't even do any of those. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So we talked about adding value by supporting their, but, but just like thanking them, right. Just thanking them for their products or their services, their book, whatever it may be. Um, another really cool way that you can add value is to support their upcoming initiatives. A lot of those big names who have tons of people in their email list who, you know, you can just imagine there's like thousands, thousands of people. They're always working on something new. There's always something new cooking that they're really excited about. And if you pay attention to what they're saying in their emails or their social media posts, they'll tell you what they're working on and they'll, they'll tell you what they're excited about. And they'll ask for support. 
but very few people actually take them up on that because there's like a lot of steps involved. In fact, I remember a story that Selena Sue told, and she is a publicity and marketing expert. And she told a story about John Lee Dumas, who's the, um, the uh, podcast host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. And he had just been featured in like a Forbes article or something. And so he posted on Facebook, like, hey, so excited. I'm in this Forbes article that I wrote. Would, I would love it if somebody would, if you guys would go and comment on that article, right? Because he wanted to show Forbes that he could mobilize his audience yeah. to, you know, promote Forbes. Mm-hmm. And so I forget the numbers, but it was something like, I don't know, like, you know, a thousand people or something. I don't even know who, who like liked and thumbs up and commented on the post that were like, oh my gosh, congrats. Ah, this is amazing. Ah, you know, but guess how many people actually went and commented on the Forbes post? It was like 12 people wow. right? or something like that. It was like the number of people who were like, thumbs up. That's awesome. Was way higher, exponentially higher than the people who took the time to comment on the post. And that was because there were a bunch of steps. You had to go to the post. You had to like log in to Forbes and like register or something and then go down to the comment thing. And then you had to do like a bunch of steps, Um, but they could have taken that same comment they put on Facebook and copied and pasted it. But because it was like eight more steps, like almost nobody did it. So imagine if you went that extra mile, for those of you listening and watching, you could be one of the 12 who actually did what the person asked you to do. And that's going to separate you from everybody else because you did that extra 10%. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And well, I said just one more tip, but uh, (laughs) maybe you can, maybe you can talk a little bit about, um, um, how you got the, the, uh, the name, the, um, hashtag queen. I got the name, the hashtag queen this weekend. It's a new name. I don't know how long this name's going to last <laughs> because I was at a, I was at a conference with Elizabeth and what, like 200 of our closest friends <laughs> called JVology live. And it was put together by the JVology community founded by Jay Facet, And it's all about partnerships. So obviously I was in my wheelhouse. I was just, I was just home. It's all about building partnerships. It's all about building relationships that are win, win that it's, it's a community of give first, serve first, support other people first. And then people will want to support you because you're a giver. And so um, over the weekend, we had to do it all in Zoom, thanks to hashtag COVID. <laughs> and so um, I was took it upon myself to get some engagement going on in the community. And I just started doing hashtags for every ridiculous thing that anyone said on the Zoom. And in the end, it ended up being like hundreds and hundreds of hashtags. What was yeah. beautiful about that was by the end of it, I didn't even have to hashtag at all because everyone else was joining in on the trend. And everyone was hashtagging and it was so fun. (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But what was neat too about that was that Jay was really appreciative of you supporting what he was creating in that weekend, you know, and, and there were some jokes around like, you know, maybe next time you'll get paid for it or, you know, but like, you never know where it's going to lead. Right. And, and, you know, if you don't step up and, and participate and, and, you know, show up, like nothing is going to happen. And uh, so I think, I thought it was a really great way of like you uh, making micro impacts, you know, with, with your hashtag. So it was really cool. Yeah. That is a, is a really good example because um, I'm, I'm a big member of Jay's community now. Um, I, I've recently found this community. That's why I say now uh, it's yeah. just been a couple of months, but I'm a big member of the community and Jay always talks so highly of me. Um, in fact, every time he tells the story of how we met, I get better and better and better sounding so I'm like, yeah, just keep going. Every time he tells the story, he's like, oh, I remember the first time I met Sharice. And it's like a totally different story, but it just keeps getting better and better. Um, and to have the leader of a community single you out as someone special yeah. because you engage in their community. The reason why I'm so special 
is because I bring engagement to the community and that's what Jay values. He yeah. wants people to engage mm-hmm. and he doesn't have time to be putting in a million hashtags. He's teaching the whole freaking yeah. conference, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I'm noticing what he needs and what I can do. And I'm doing something really simple that didn't cost me any extra time, any extra money, barely any effort, but because no one else was doing it at the time, yeah. it was that extra 10% that set me apart. Yeah. Yeah. Extra 12%. 12%. <laughs> 12%. <laughs> whatever. 15%, whatever yeah. the percentage is. <laughs> um, so you recently launched um, a podcast. And so can you talk a little bit about why you did that and how it might figure into your overall strategic plan? to create a following of your own. Yes. So I launched a podcast last week called the T and G podcast, which is the number one place in the alpha quadrant to geek out about all things, Star Trek, the next generation. This is a passion podcast. It's not a business podcast, which is unusual compared to all of my colleagues who a lot of them have business podcasts, Elizabeth being one of them, who's got a pretty cool show. Um, And so the reason why I decided to do that, which was, you know, some people are kind of like, that's great. And also what, like, why didn't you, why didn't you do something that directly relates to your business? Like everyone else, because that's the point of the podcast is to kind of pair with the business. Well, the reason is simple. One, I'm obsessed with Star Trek, obviously. And two, the way we're going to grow our podcast is through using relationships, right? That's what I'm all about relationship building. And my goal is for us to have the number one Star Trek TNG podcast in the world, which is not hard because there's only like four other shows, but whatever, (laughs) whatever. That's, that's neither here nor there. We want to have the biggest show in the world. And the way we're going to do that is through relationships is through strategic partnerships with other podcasters, with artists, with people in the industry. We are going to be putting on a sci-fi summit. That's just going to highlight all of these like super nerds and their beautiful passions and creative arts. And I'm so excited about it. We are building a community. We are kind of creating a movement where, where we like to joke around that it's a safe space to geek out, right? It's a, safe, it's a safe space to just totally geek out at a ridiculous level that none of your friends can stand, but the rest of us can, and we're like all about it. And um, this show is going to end up being just kind of like a giant case study for the same things that I do with my clients. It's what I'm doing with myself, but with something as off, offbeat as a Star Trek podcast. So if I can make this really successful using relationships, how much more so in business where there's actually money to be made through those relationships? Very cool. Very cool. Um, So you have a a gift for our leaders, uh, uh, listeners and um, listeners and watchers, (laughs) viewers. (laughs) Uh, So could you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So I talked about, I gave a couple of tips about getting on an influencer's radar and how to connect with them. I actually have a short uh, video training called 10 tips for connecting with influencers that you can get at jvjoy.com slash 10 tips, the number 10. Um, and that is, um, that's just, it's a, it's a quick little, like maybe 10 minute video and you can two X it. So it can be a five minute video. Cause I listen to all my stuff on two X, um, a quick little video that just walks you through my top 10 tips, plus some bonus tips thrown in there for connecting with influencers. And so you can take this to kind of the next level. Cool. Thank you so much for that. And, um, Joan, do you have any questions that you would like to ask of Sharice? Um, I don't really think I have any questions, but I definitely think it's been helpful. I think my biggest problem is I always 
try to like do everything on my own. And I'm just recently now like trying to, I guess, show people my work. So it's not just like staying down and also like, just it's helped a lot with my accountability of like getting stuff done actually, just because a lot of times I'll start something full force and then I'll, you know, I'll start to kind of waver towards the middle, towards the end. And it's almost the same as with my writing. Like I always feel like my beginning is really strong and then you know, my middle, my end is, is never as good, but I guess knowing that I'm going to show it to someone and then also telling someone that I'm doing it, it just makes me more accountable to get it done. So I think I need to just kind of branch out even further and try to like, you know, make more connections with people so that I can get more stuff done. Cause if I'm just doing it by myself, I mean, I'll just stop. <laughs> I guess oh yeah, it's definitely important to to find a community of like-minded people that you know have writing goals as well, and you know, um, and you know, challenges are really good for that too. To you know, give you a burst and a kickstart, and yeah, definitely, I, I would highly recommend you seeking out people for accountability and and yeah. you know, and if you if you if you have a you know somebody that that you click with then just let's meet once a once a week on on zoom you know for a quick you know what did you do this week kind of thing it could be really helpful any ideas for for joan charise yeah i really love that joan because that's again that's a type of partnership an accountability group is a different type of partnership um and that's like level one right because we need accountability if it's if it's not internal at least ex then we need external for sure but we need that accountability to get our stuff done. We have a lot of goals and plans, but exactly like Joan said, if no one's looking, we might not do it. But if we give somebody a deadline, if we say I'm doing this by this date, like if for those of you who have applications out to different programs or whatever, or you have a manuscript that needs to be done by a certain time, needs to go to an editor, those deadlines can actually help you. They can help you focus on what's important, get rid of all the distractions because you've got to buckle down. And then to have someone else there to, to cheer you on, which the way I like to think of accountability to be like, what are you doing? Oh, that's great. Like, oh, come on, keep going, keep going. Like you can do it. Like, let's look at the vision. Let's look at the end goal. That's a really powerful way to use partnerships. So I love that. Like you definitely need partners to keep you on track. And then once you're finished with your project, I know that you guys as writers move right onto your next project, but when you're trying to get that project out the door, then you need another layer of partners who can help you with that, who can help you yeah. share your message. So that's awesome. Definitely. Thank you for that. So any uh, last thoughts before we sign off here? Yeah, my last thought is that honestly, anything you want in this world is not a matter of how. It's not a matter of how do you get it. It's a matter of who. Who do you know who can help you get it? Because there's somebody. And in our hyper-connected, ultra-digital, thanks to COVID world, you know somebody. You know somebody who knows somebody. You are no longer six or seven degrees separated. You're like two degrees separated yeah. from anybody that you need that could help you. So don't be afraid to reach out and ask. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You'll find all the links mentioned in today's interview at bit.ly forward slash the OYC podcast. To find out more about Liberate, the Polish and Published Story online retreat, go to bit.ly forward slash Polish Publish. <laughs>